Good to see you again this evening. I appreciate those that heard me speak this morning that chose to come back despite of the fact that I, I spoke this morning. What we'll be doing tonight is a little bit different, uh, as has already been mentioned. Uh, you, you folks are going with my wife and I to the Czech Republic, and I very much want you to have a sense of that. And when we conclude tonight, I hope you will have not only a, a realization that we're going there together, but a little better idea of what we're going to do when we get there. And I think an opportunity like this is something that's not only very important in a practical way, but it is biblical. You think about the Apostle Paul beginning his first preaching trip, and we see as the provisions are being made, as plans are being made for for he and his companions to leave Antioch, we see that the church has come together and they're thinking about and praying about what is going to be done. And I think to some degree that's what we're doing even here tonight as we think about about the work that we are about to embark on together. Paul got back at the end of that trip. He returned to Antioch. And Acts chapter 14, verse 27 says, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. The coming back and talking about the work that is done together there. Because again, it is something very much that well, it has lots of moving parts, and it needs lots of it needs lots of people being involved in it. I think about the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, as he talked in chapter one about the fact that they had been a part of his his efforts from the very first day. But I think it's interesting to go back in, in Acts chapter sixteen and see that that was literally the case. His first day in Philippi, they're involved in his work there, and how he felt about that over time, and how he felt about them. And then as he talks about that relationship in Philippians chapter 4, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. As he's talking about the fellowship they have and what is taking place. And so again, as we see this biblical precedent for this kind of idea, I I hope if we accomplish nothing else together tonight, it is that that, that when you folks, Timberland folks, leave here, you'll say, yeah, we're, we're going to the Czech Republic together. We're going there to preach the gospel together. And that that will be something that's not only in your minds, but, but in your prayers as well. Uh, I, I have a map I want to show you as we get started. And if, if you, you're glad that we have a map, thank Monty for it. Uh, he asked me this morning, he said, well, you're going to have a map? And I was sure I have a map. I always have a map when I do these kinds of things. And as I was glancing back over it this afternoon, I realized I did not have a map. If he hadn't asked me that question, I wouldn't have even looked. We've, we've, we've got a map. Because I, I, I realize that geography is just not something people concentrate on a whole lot anymore. And, uh, you know, I, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the map. But you can see some countries up there. You're more aware of a map right now than you might have been just, just a few weeks ago. Because you see the little country, though it's really not that small of a country, especially by European standards, the country of Ukraine. Uh, the invasion by Russia and what's going on there. You see uh, Belarus has been a part of uh, that to some degree. And then you see countries that you may be more familiar with there. You see Poland and to the west of uh, Poland. You see Germany. If you don't know what west is, ask somebody sitting by you. Under Poland and Germany, which would be to the south, you see the Czech Republic. Uh, Czech Republic used to be, back in, back in, in, in some of our earlier days, used to be uh, Czechoslovakia. I talked to a lady this morning that saw, had seen the same far side comic that I had 
the explanation for the, the Czechoslovakia becoming two countries being that they got tired of nobody being able to spell it, and so they just broke it into two parts. The Czech Republic and Slovakia, Hungary below that, uh, Romania to the south of, uh, of the Ukraine, and the little one that you've probably never heard of before the events of the last few weeks, uh, the one that's, wow, all of this is, I can't believe y'all kept a straight face. I actually had decent colors showing up on my screen up here. The, the, the little one uh, to the south of the Ukraine, this that kind of gross-looking purple, pinkish, whatever, the little country of Moldova. Uh, in, in years gone by, when I would come back and talk about having spent time in Moldova, people would accuse me of having made that name up. You know, and so, well, no, you probably went down to the coast for a couple of weeks, hung out on the beach, and just made up the name of the country when you got back. But, you know, we've been hearing a lot about Moldova now because of the danger that the folks there perceive themselves to be facing. Comment was made this morning, I believe, about it being hard to believe that, uh, you know, that, that 1990 was 32 years ago. If I'm doing my math correctly, that means 1989 was 33 years ago. For some of us, those of us that grew up as children of the Cold War, we recognize that 1989 was one of the most significant years of the entire century. Because that's when that was the beginning of the fall of the power of, of the Warsaw Pact, the Soviet Union, that jailhouse of nations that had been deprived of so many freedoms, the world absolutely changing at that point. And one of the places that that was celebrated to a tremendous degree was in the city of Prague in Czechoslovakia. Uh, 1989, people celebrating freedom. Many of them had never experienced freedom before in their life. To be able to simply gather in the hundreds of thousands as they have in the Wenceslas Square that you see the picture of here, to be able to gather there and just express their ideas freely. Many of them had never had the opportunity to do that before in their entire lives. And they're experiencing that freedom. And one of the things that came with that was to, 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 to look around them and all the things they had been told were wrong and all the things they had been told were bad. To say, hey, I want to check this out for myself. And one of the most basic things they decided to investigate for themselves was the existence of God. And so a hunger develops to hear about the Bible, to hear about Christianity, to hear about Jesus. Unless you think I'm being hyperbolic in saying hear about this, let me tell you very literally, some of these young people had never heard the names that are in the Bible before. They had never heard the name of Moses. They knew the name Paul or Pavel, but they didn't know there was some really, really significant guy that had lived a couple of thousand years earlier that had that name. They had no cognizance of that at all. And so an opportunity like that arising in 1989 and 1990, uh, led to a young couple moving over. The young lady in the photo there was 25. Her husband, who is pretty good at avoiding photos, had just turned 26. They had their two children that are born sometime in the process of all of this. Because the opportunity to preach the gospel was there. Yes, we were young, and if I was going to give bonus points, I would give bonus points to anybody who can even pick out which one of the guys in this photo, which one of them was me all of those years ago. 
But the opportunity arising, and what, what were we going to do with it? What did we do with it? The opportunity had to be seized. I will never forget the words that Sewell Hall said to me personally, and I think he probably wrote it in an article, where he said, I don't know why people were so surprised when the Berlin Wall fell. He said churches across America had been praying for it for years. Can any of you remember that? Can any of you remember how in those prayers, we would hear those prayers and say those prayers, Lord, please give freedom to those people over there that don't have access to the Gospel. He said, why were we surprised when the wall fell? The prayers were answered. But then what do you do with those opportunities? You say, oh, thanks Lord, that's cool. I hope somebody goes. Or do you decide to make the decision to go? I showed you a picture a couple of uh, minutes ago of Wenceslas Square in Prague with hundreds of thousands of people in it. That square is very significant to me for a different reason. That is because when we first got to Prague in 1990, there wasn't anybody to meet us at the airport. There wasn't anybody that was practicing what we understand to be Christianity that was there. And so finding a place to live, temporarily scary, we had a little table and a sign that said free Bible studies in English that we set up in that square. And day after day we would stay there for just a little while because we could average setting up a Bible study, a serious legitimate Bible study, we could average one per hour that we spent in the square there. And we would close up shop for the day when we said, look, there's nothing left in the day planner. There's no other time to schedule more Bible studies. And as a result of that, people were baptized into Christ. People baptized into Christ in the city of Prague. They would finish what they were doing there. They would go home. Churches would start because of their efforts. Churches would start in their cities. And now I know of four different groups. I've worked with four different groups in this country that I've been involved with since, well, 1990. That engagement has included... Uh, I, I, I have an incredible memory... But she had to work this week, so she's back in Florida. <laughs> she could put years to all of this stuff. She could put months to it. I can't. But over a course of living over there for about 11 years, beginning in 1990, uh, about six of it in, in the Czech Republic, about four-something combined, Hungary and Bulgaria, about six months in Lithuania, several trips into Moldova, over the last 30 plus years, that, that's been our involvement in the work over there. This, this is not something new for us. Got some experience with this. In the years that we were not living there, I would spend two, two months a year over there. I, I would make two trips a year, a spring trip and a fall trip going over there. Uh, when I would go to talk to a church in America about us coming to work with them, I'd say, okay guys, but <laughs> there's a non-negotiable. I'm going to spend two months a year in Eastern Europe. It's something that churches understood and accepted, that that was just, that was just going to be part of what we did because that was so much a part of our life. Uh, COVID hit. When COVID hit, I don't know where all you folks were. I was in Prague. I was supposed to be there for a month, and during a process of getting about six or seven flights canceled, it wound up being three months before I got home. 
I made a mistake. I got home and my wife Nancy said, do you know how long you were over there? And I should have said, sure, honey, it was 90 whatever days. I made the mistake of saying no. And then she told me how many days it had been, and I said, well, I knew it had been a long time. But an interesting thing about that was, we weren't shut down over there. I was having two to three Bible studies every day, and I got the opportunity to see what it would be like over there again longer, longer term. And so at that point, it became pretty much a determination of ours that, yeah, when life settled down enough again, we were moving back over. The, the, the frustrations of having to do things electronically, which, I don't know, you know, Skype, Zoom, all of that stuff that can be kind of frustrating sometimes. You know what, regardless of how much you dislike that, some good things came out of that and we figured out some things we hadn't thought about before. It had never occurred to us that I could be having Bible studies with people in a half a dozen different countries from America using Skype and Zoom. And we've been doing that ever since. Uh, I, I, I spend several hours a week even now from Florida having Bible studies with folks in several different countries over there. And with Christians there, we've been talking about for the last three or four years what it's going to look like, how it's going to work when we get back over there, what all of that is going to involve. Being able to do that is very much connected to relationships. The, the beginning of the works in the Czech Republic, we, 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 we were there. Uh, the very first people to become Christians, we were there. We were part of that. Uh, and that means we've known some of these people for more than 30 years. Some of the people that we met when they were college students are now grandparents. Been able to hold their, hold their children in, in my arms and think about watching them teach their children about Jesus. There is a special insight into the history and the culture of the country that I, I, I haven't lived there for a long time and also being a historian that specialized in Eastern Europe. And then there are some language skills that come with that as well. And that is having, having, learned, having learned Czech. And that matters a lot. It matters a lot to people to be able to communicate with them in their own language. I'll tell you a story about this, just one story to help illustrate this. It's a sad story, but I think it makes the point well. A few years ago, there was a young family there, serious, serious problems in the marriage. The wife had moved out. She wouldn't talk to anybody. Uh, there were Americans in and out that she knew. She wouldn't, she wouldn't talk to anybody. But I was there on one of the short trips, and her husband said, Bill, I wish you would text her and ask her if she would meet with you and talk to you. And so I did. I sent her a text. said, hey, you know, can we grab a cup of a tea sometime this week? She wrote me back and said yes. We sat down and we talked, and she talked, and she talked, and she, she told me everything. And at the end of the conversation... She kind of smiled and she said, Bill, do you wonder why I agreed to talk to you when I wouldn't talk to anybody else? She said, I agreed to talk to you because I didn't want to have that kind of discussion in a language that wasn't my native language. I wanted to be able to talk to people, to talk to someone in my language as I poured out my heart and talked about what was happening in my life. All of those things matter. All of those things are important. That's the background. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are involved in the plans there, some of the stuff that we're going to be doing together when we get there. Some things about the work in the Czech Republic are very much uh, scheduled, very much structured. 
out in advance, things that we're looking at, working on. Let me give you a few examples of this. Uh, there is a family that we have known since before they got married. Now they have grown kids. But they got a... But because of restitution with the fall of communism, they got, a, they got the family farm back that the communists had seized all those decades earlier. The rambling farmhouse and a quarry and a forest way out in a village in the middle of nowhere. They renovated the house and they said, look, we've got lots of cool space to do things with. Let's a couple of times a year invite everybody in the country, all the Christians in the country that want to come into our home to have about two and a half or three days of intensive Bible studies. When they're talking about that, they're talking about, uh, you know, sometimes we go six or seven hours a day. I remember one of the last ones we had, it was almost time to go catch the train, and, 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 and Marek said, well, Bill, do you know anything else? Have you got anything else left in you? We've got about 40 minutes before we have to take you to the train station. As the kind of thing that's done on a regular basis, as these people use the blessings that they have. And by the way, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Ukraine later on, but uh, they have been in the process of remodeling a little bit more of that huge rambling farmhouse because they're to take in some Ukrainian refugees. Just, just the kind of you know, just the kind of folks they are. In addition to that, every second month. Christians from all over the country meet in Prague to spend a Saturday in study. Some of them travel three hours to get there and then three hours home, and we, we have about an hour and a half of study before lunch, a lunch, and another hour and a half after, and then folks usually hang around for another couple of hours and uh, you know just visit because they enjoy being together. And so that is another part of what we do. A third thing is that once a year, Christians from all over Europe come together to spend a week in study. A lot of these people, that, that's, they take that as their vacation. And so that's something that happens up in, uh, now it's happening up in a beautiful highland area of the country. Uh, week-long study. Uh, COVID kind of knocked a hole in it, but there, there will be years when there are people there from a half a dozen different countries, sometimes eight different countries that have all come together to, to study. That is something I'm not only involved in, but I, the, the Czech brethren asked me to sort of arrange that, uh, to, to be the one who organizes that. Of course, when you think about preaching in a place like that, one of the things you think about is, is the, the, the churches that meet there being a part of the assemblies. And I want to say a little bit more about how we plan for that to work. There, there are not any American preachers in the Czech Republic. And even when the last American preacher was still there, the Czechs did most of the preaching that was done. Now, these are not preachers, supported preachers. These are normal folks like you folks that uh, have, you know, they work 40 hours a week, that, you know, that they do their thing, and then, and then they preach as well. But one of the things we talked about was that I, I don't want to, any part of what I do to be a subtraction from what they're doing. I just want it all to be an addition. And we talked about one way to do that is I'm not going into Prague to become the preacher in Prague and always preach in Prague. There, there are four different groups that I have association with in the country that have said, hey, can you come here one week out of the month? Can you come here one week out of the month? Can you come here one week out of the month? And come and be a part of the assemblies, the things that they're doing there. This is a, a, a small look, a partial look at the group in Prague. Uh, it, it's the largest group in the country. They have 35 or 40 on Sundays. 
but uh, one of the places to be on a, on a regular basis. And then something else that's become a significant part of the work is, is public lectures that we do. The Christians will rent out a hall. They will advertise uh, some topic that they think people might be interested in coming in for. And particularly in the cities of Ber- uh, in Prague, and but, but even more so in Brno, the second largest city in the country, had a lot of success with that pre-COVID. This last trip in January, they decided, let's, let's try to start this back. The problem is the place we've always rented is, is closed. Where can we find a place to meet? Well, you know, they're sort of the mentalities. You know, if you ask, the worst that can happen is somebody's going to tell you no. And so they went to the old town hall in Brno and said, hey, can we rent out a room there for a Bible lecture? Now, when I say the old town hall in Brno, the original town hall in Brno was from about 1300. This town hall was much newer. These rooms are from like 1600. And they rented us out a room that was so amazing that you just felt smarter walking inside it. But there was a nervousness that was there. What was, what was going to happen? Was anybody going to come because of COVID? Would there, the interest still be there? And so it's almost like, for any of you that played ball, I, you know, I'll see myself football here, that feeling you get just a few minutes before kickoff, you got all, you got all that stuff going on. We're in there, and that, that's the feeling we've got. Well, how's this going to work? And people started coming. And they kept coming. And before it was over with, we had 25 people that had just walked in off the street to hear the Bible lecture, and another 13 that had joined us on Facebook Live because that's something else people had figured out how to do. So we had 38 people that we had no previous association with, not any particular religious background necessarily, who wanted to hear the gospel message. And when it was over, we, we had our Q&A session at the end and said, okay, anybody have any questions? One lady raised her hand and said, uh, yeah, I've got a question. When can, we come, when can you come back and let's do this again? And the people in the, the, the room, the rest of the people in the room began to clap. And so I've got some good news. <laughs> We're planning on being back in August. We're planning on being back and doing this on a much more regular basis than we have done it than we have done it before. Then very much the heart of this it's the personal studies. I mean all of this other organized stuff is great and wonderful and I believe valuable. But at the end of the day it's the personal studies with people that you meet, people that you have known in the past, relationships that you have built up over the years. It's uh it's it's, it's folks like this, like Chris and Kotka. I've known Kotka's parents, I remember when Kotka's parents met. That's how long ago back with them. Kaka grew up uh, attending worship services. She became a Christian fairly young. She met Chris at the university, and Chris was an atheist. But Chris is now not only a, 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 a Christian, a faithful Christian, but someone who is doing some teaching and preaching. Absolutely one of the most ridiculously intelligent people I know anywhere. Kaka's not bad. She, uh, she has a master's in uh, cult, uh, uh, some kind of engineering, and she's getting her Ph.D. right now. She, she, she's, she's, not, she's fairly bright. Chris is smart. 
that kind of people who have just a hunger, a hunger to study, they come, they bring their friends. Our tradition there is, is, is pretty set. It's a Tuesday night tradition. They finish work, they come to wherever I am, we go grab something to eat or I cook supper for them, and then we spend about three hours studying. Usually about an hour and a half of it is, is structured and the rest of it is just Q&A time. Because they're doing something very special. They and another young man that come regularly have started a Bible study in their dormitory. And in the, in the dormitory, they have, they, they have atheists, they have people from Eastern religions, they have people from all of that, everybody coming in for the Bible study. And in the process of this Q&A session, uh, in, in, in the process of, uh, of these sessions, the Q&A part of this, I have learned something that's wonderful and amazing. When we first started the work over there, I thought there's, there, there's, no, there's nothing more wonderful than to be able to talk to somebody about the Gospel who wants to hear about the Gospel. But I think I found something that tops that. That is helping young Christians who are teaching others about Jesus know how to better teach those that they are teaching and help them in that preparation and help them to do, help them to do that work. So this is very much a, a, a huge part of what's going on. The, the, the personal studies, the family studies, all, all of that kind of thing. There's another aspect of this as well that I, I think you'll find interesting. I, I think it's fascinating. I, but, but, you know, I, if you can just find, be interesting for you, I'm going to feel like it was a win. Some of the special things that the Christians there are involved in, and they're all involved in something. All the men are involved in something. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, 28 years ago, I guess, we met a university student who was a Jehovah's Witness. We began studying with him. He was in the process of getting his Ph.D. in some kind of chemistry. I don't remember what it is. I don't know what it is. But uh, he, he was baptized, and he absolutely he loved the Old Testament so much that he started learning Hebrew. And one of his projects has been, as the Czech Bible Society decided they needed a, a, a more modern Czech translation, his Hebrew is good enough that he consulted on that. That's his project. Got another guy there. He's a lawyer. And he, he loves studying the Gospels in the book of Acts. And so about two years ago, three years ago, he said, Bill, I'm going to write a book on, I'm going to write a book on, on the, the, the Gospels and Acts, and I'm going to build a little bit of stuff about the epistles into this book. Would you mind proofreading and kind of editing it? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know that I really have time to do that, but it, you know, it's probably going to be like one of these 100-page study guides or something, I'll find the time to do it. Next Saturday, we're supposed to finish up the last part of book four, which brings us up to page about 1,000 of the book that he has written researching these things and writing about it. Uh, you know, who all is going to read? I don't know. But then the most recent project, and one that I hope you'll make note of this, this is absolutely fascinating, I think, and I think it could be something very helpful for you here. It is a website that one of the Christians developed. The website is BibleInPlaces.com. And what he has done, and I've been working with him on this, nothing on the technical part. These guys here can tell you I don't even know how to plug my thumb drive in up here. But working together on the content, what he has done is he's created a program where if you open up this website, this side over here is your Bible text, and this side over here opens up to some maps. 
one of the things he has done is he has taken all of the names and all of the places and hyperlinked them in the text. So if you're over here and you see the name, you know, Jericho up there in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, now Jericho was uh, straightly shut up. You use the King James for the English. Uh, you go over and click on Jericho on the map because it shows up. It takes you to a place that has pictures of Jericho, general information about Jericho, Google Street View of the site of Jericho, as well as some videos. A lot of this is stuff that we've done together. As you know, I've made a number of trips into Israel and a number of trips into Israel with this guy. That information's there. Because he said, Bill, I always had problems just, just listening and learning. He said, it always drove me crazy when somebody was teaching about, you know, teaching from the book of, of Joshua. And they would talk about these places. And I would get distracted because I wish I knew something about these places. I wish I could see them on a map. And he said, so I decided to, de to develop a program that would do that. And that's the kind of thing that he has done and I've been blessed to be a part of. But again, at the end of the day, as exciting as all of that is, it really comes down to opportunities like this. There is another tradition that we have there, and that is from where I stay in the, in the center of Prague, I, I take about an hour trip that involves walking uh, the subway and a bus out to the suburbs to the home of Honza and Monica, we get there, Monica's cooking supper. While Monica's cooking supper, I have a Bible study with these two delightful young children here. After that Bible study, we eat supper together. They put them down because tech kids go to bed early. And then we have another Bible study, a Bible study that I have with Hansa and Monica, and then making the trip back. Czech Republic stuff, obviously something I'm very passionate about, I'm excited about, but there are other opportunities as well. Uh, different things going on in Europe generally. I'll mention a couple of those things just very quickly because, again, I'm trying to give you a sense of what we're going to be doing. There is a group in the UK that's been asking me for about 10 years now to come and do some work with them, to come and do what we would call a gospel meeting with them, but I, just, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. And didn't even feel particularly inclined in that direction until something else happened relative to this group. And that was, and if you recognize Skype there, I had the opportunity electronically to meet Andre and Nelly. Andre and Nelly are Bulgarians. Andre is a, a, a physicist. And when I first met Andre, he started trying to explain to me what he did. And about 30 seconds into the explanation, he realized I had no clue what he was talking about. And so we just let it go at that point. But now for about three years, I've been studying a distance online with Andre and Nelly. They are people I believe to be very near the kingdom. He has come to be very much convinced that there is a God. Coming from his background, that was a challenge. But I very much believe that... If when I have the opportunity to sit down with Andre and Nelly, not, not on Skype, and talk about the gospel, we're going to see just how close to the kingdom they are. And I'm, I'm very optimistic about how, about how that's going to turn out. 
Simon Bulgaria as well. For years I've been going somewhat regularly to Sofia, Bulgaria and working with a group of about 50 Christians there. I think I can say, in at least some ways, this is the most interesting group combination of people I've ever, I've ever been around. This group of about 50 people is comprised of people from five separate nations that speak six different native languages. And they have all come together through their faith in Jesus to form a spiritual family there, a special spiritual family there working together. And I've been privileged to be a part of that off and on for several years, and that is something I've also told them that if the Lord allows, I'm going to be spending some more time working with them and especially with some of some of the young people, the young people that are there. I want to transition into the last part of this, and I am, I, I am uh, cognizant of the clock in a different way than I was this morning. At one point I looked up at the clock and thought, oh, well, it's such and such a time. But then I realized I had no idea what time I started or what time y'all usually get out. <laughs> now tonight I know we started at 5 o'clock, and I can see what time it is up there. But as we've been talking about this, there have been a number of questions that have been asked on a fairly regular basis that I want to that I want to say that I want to say something about. Uh, the first is, not surprisingly, I think the impact of the war. Two or three things in connection with that. Uh, I, I told somebody this morning. People say, "How far is the Czech Republic from the Ukraine?" And I said, "Well, you want the encouraging answer or the less than encouraging answer?" And so the encouraging answer is there is an entire country in between the Czech Republic and the Ukraine. The less than encouraging answer is it's still only about 250 miles. It is relatively close. Impact of the war. Uh, Obvious, the, the, the tragedy of it. It's something that's shocking and I feel very emotionally invested in because I know a number of people that have been very directly impacted by this. I've been some of these places that are being bombed. I have connections there. But the end of the day is, what do we do? What do we do if we realize something might be less than safe and comfortable? What do we do? I brought a songbook up here. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. But we, we sang a song tonight about be, be strong and courageous, the Lord will go with you. We find, Oh no, you can't do that. There might be a little danger there. The Lord will go with you as long as you stay somewhere that's safe and warm and quiet. Be strong and be courageous as long as there's nothing that might, that, that, that might create even the slightest bit of fear in your life. Is that who we are? Is that what we believe? Is that what we do? I had somebody a while back I, I, that say, wasn't that terrible being on a, an airplane in a mask for 11 hours? I said, it was unbelievable. The Apostle Paul has nothing on me. <laughs> you know, what is his being shipwrecked three times compared to me having to wear that silly mask for 11 hours? What do we do? Is there, yes, there's danger. There's always been danger. When we first moved over there, the first Iraqi war had started. We're living in a couple of rooms 
in a house, a big house, that the Czechs have rented out. The two bedrooms that we had with the, another American family with us, and a third bedroom that we had no idea to whom it would be rented, all shared one bathroom. And one morning early, uh, my wife comes in, and she's got that look. And she said, Bill, you've got to go to the bathroom. There's blood all over it. And I said, yeah, you know, she's never been around a slaughtered hog in her life. She has no idea what a lot of blood looks like. And I went into the bathroom, and there was blood all over it. There was splatter all over it. We never knew what had happened, but they had rented that third bedroom to three young Iraqi men. And uh, the young lady that was sort of in charge of the rentals had come in and said, what do I do about this? I said, well, maybe we ought to you know, find out, try to find out what's going on here. There's always the potential for danger. But do we trust in the Lord? Do we do what's right? Do we believe that souls are valuable enough that you're going to go ahead and do it? We either better start believing it or we better stop singing it. Impact of the war on the Czech Republic. Czech Republic has a population of 10 million people. Over the last very short time, they have taken in 300,000 Iraqi refugees. I'm sorry, Ukrainian refugees. What are they doing with them? They're struggling because they care. I know a young Ukrainian man there who is not a Christian. I hope he will be. He has taken in 17 Ukrainians into his apartment. I can't even imagine what it's like to have a bathroom schedule. What do you do? One of the, my fellow elders there in Florida asked me uh, not too long ago, he said, Bill, is this, you know, this stuff over there, has that kind of changed your schedule maybe? How do you feel about your schedule? I said, it has. I said, I wish I could be there tomorrow. Because the opportunities are there for these people to hear the Gospel and to help them out in their lives. And along with the Christians in Prague, we're, we're working on that. We're already talking about that. How do we reach out to these people? Opening homes so they have food to eat and reaching out to them with the Gospel. We're working on finding translators for you. We've got all that going on right now. The need is there. The opportunities are there. And the impact of the war... I'm going to show you a family here. This is at the bus station in uh, Sofia in Bulgaria. There's... Is there a laser on here? I'm not going to start pushing buttons. I'm going to point. <laughs> the lady on the right over here, she's one of the Christians in Sofia. She's Bulgarian. Uh, the older gentleman, the second one from the left, he's, he's, he's a local as well. The other family is a Ukrainian family from the city of Mariupol. If you've been keeping up with the news at all, you've heard, you've heard that name. I do not know them personally, but I have known the, the, the mom's sister for years because she's one of the Christians in Sophia. She reached out not too long ago and uh, said, my, my family's decided they, they've got to try to get out of the city as it's being completely destroyed around them. 
said, I don't know if they're alive or dead. The last time I had heard from them, they had taken what they could carry. They had left their apartment building. They were stepping over the bodies of their neighbors to try to make it into the woods. They got into the woods. There was no way to go west. They had to go east and north into Russia. And for days and days, there was no contact at all. Now, I want you to do this. is not pleasant. But I want you to do something. I want you to look at these little ones. And I want you to try to imagine what the impact was on their lives as they stepped over the bodies of their dead neighbors that they had known all of their lives. The good news is, when they got as far as St. Petersburg, it's your math. Try to imagine that journey. They got as far as St. Petersburg in Russia. The officials stopped them, they interrogated them, they questioned them, they threatened them, they made them sign some stuff that I don't even want to see the paperwork on. But they let them out. And now they have made their way to Sophia, to the church in Sophia. And really the only problems they have to worry about right now, they don't have any other clothes, they don't have a roof over their head, and they don't have food. That means their situation is dramatically better than it was a couple of weeks ago because they had a lot to worry about. Yeah, there's a lot of impact. But one of the amazing things that's being seen there is Christians in these unbelievably difficult situations are saying, this is maybe the best chance we've ever had to let our lights shine. There are Christians in the Ukraine who they've been offered tickets out have said no. Our country needs us now more than ever. Somebody's got to be here to dig through the rubble. Somebody's got to be here to try to take care of people. Somebody's got to be here to, to, to find water. If that's not going to be people who call themselves followers of Jesus, who's it going to be? War having an incredible impact? Absolutely. But that impact includes an opportunity to make a difference. Let the gospel light shine brightly. Let people see that those who call themselves Christians actually believe and practice what they claim to believe and practice. Even when things are, even when things are difficult. A couple of other things quickly. Schedule, what's it looking like? Uh, July 24th is when I'm looking at flying out uh, after a, a, last Sunday night at Edgewood there in Lakeland in Florida. Uh, at that point, my wife putting the, the, the house on the market. I'll be, I'll be hitting Prague trying to find us a place to live there. She'll be trying to close out things in, uh, close out things in Florida. Uh, for some reason, she thinks that having me out of the way may make that a little bit easier. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But uh, anyway, looking at that schedule, there, there is one thing I would ask you to pray for in particular here, and this, this is a little, bit, it's a little bit hard to explain, but pl- please give me another minute and try to stick with it. 
One of the challenges we face right now is with our visa. There are two different kinds of visas that we can possibly get. One visa would be uh, essentially a work visa that would allow us to stay in the Czech Republic as long as we want to in the course of a year. The other would be a tourist visa. The tourist visa would mean that in addition, our time in the Czech Republic would be limited. And so that would mean that we would be spending more time in countries like Bulgaria and Moldova and hopefully the Ukraine before too long. That we would be spending more time in those countries and less time in the Czech Republic. I feel like the work would be more effective if we have the work visa that lets us stay in the Czech Republic as long as we want to. But going on the tourist visa is by no means a deal breaker. If that's what we do, then we're going to see that as well. The Lord wanted us to spend more time in some of these other countries. That would be something I would ask you, I would encourage you to, to pray about. Why now? Uh, again, this is something that's been in the works for a while. This is something that uh, we've been wanting to do for a, for a length of time. And, and, and why? I struggle a little bit to say this because I, 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 I just hope it doesn't come, come across the wrong way. But I want, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with uh, a, a very dear friend of mine, David Tomley, not, not too long ago about this. He said, Bill, there are plenty of people that can do what you do in Florida. <laughs> but because of your experience, your background, your relationship, and your language, Skills, there's not really anybody else that can do what you can do in the Czech Republic. Who's going to do it? Why do it? The Lord gives us an opportunity to do something. The Lord gives us the ability to make an impact. What do we do with it? And at least in the case of, of our family, my wife Nancy and I, we have decided that that's, that's where we need to be. That's what we need. Contact, keeping up with folks. Obviously, hope to keep up with folks a lot of different ways. But I've got a website address up here. This is, this is my blog. This is a journal that I do regularly. It's got lots of pictures on it. Where, I, where In fact, it's a, it's a journal. It's a diary of my last probably 10 years in the Czech Republic, these short trips and different things meeting people and learning about opportunities, uh, easterneuropework.com. Uh, that's going to be, if, if, you're, you know, if you wonder what's going on in our life, where we are, what kind of work we're doing, who we're with, this is going to be the simple and, and most basic way, easiest way to access that. Again, thank you for a lot of things. Thank you for your patience. I've gone a long time. Thank you for your support as we make this journey and do this work together. I would ask you to keep us, to keep us in your prayers and, and the efforts that we make in your prayers. Because the preaching of the gospel matters. The preaching of the gospel matters because every soul is precious. Every soul is made in the image of God. And those of us that have been so blessed to hear the gospel, to have that opportunity, it is incumbent upon us to try to share that message with others, those who have not. There may be somebody in the audience tonight that, well, maybe you've heard the gospel in the past. 
but you haven't responded to it. You haven't expressed your faith in the Lord. Turning from your sins, confessing your faith and being baptized. If that is the case, I guarantee you folks here would love to help you do that tonight. If there's somebody here tonight who is a Christian and there's something in your life that needs fixing, fix it. By the grace of God, reaching out to Him. And if it is something where you need your spiritual family praying with you and for you, this would be a great opportunity for that. If you've got a spiritual need that folks here can help you with, won't you let that be known as we stand and sing the songs that have been announced? <coughs> Oh.